0: The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly guest Dharma series.
1: Well, once again, welcome, everyone. To Common Ground, my name is Patty, and I'm a community member here and volunteer. And I'm thrilled to have Sampi Caro here. um here for the whole weekend doing a few workshops, and we just are really Happy to have him here with us. Um, a little bit about Santi Carlo if you don't already know him. He's, well, I guess obviously a Buddhist practitioner, which you've seen. Um, and he's a student of the Dhamma. He's a well-known translator, and he is also a meditation teacher. He is with his community in Wisconsin, has built and is building the Liberation Park which is a Buddhist community center, meditation center, a space for a treat. It's on 70 acres in southwestern Wisconsin. And I thought one way to, um, was to let him introduce himself a little bit. I got this quote from his blog, This and That, I believe, is the name of the blog. Um, and this is from January this year, at the 31st. I see myself as someone who delights in exploring and talking about dhamma both as recorded in the suttas and discovered within living. Someone who facilitates group inquiry and sharing and someone who needs to keep opening, inquiring, and learning himself. At least, this is what I aspire to and practice.
2: That, That blog post was about resuming teaching. Um, and some of my ambivalence about being a teacher. Um, There are various ways the uh, label fits, and then there are lots of ways it can be problematic. Um, Anyway, I had a year's hiatus from teaching, more or less, and then have been getting back into it since a retreat, well, talks in my part of Wisconsin, and then um, I led a retreat in early February at Cloud Mountain, which is in Washington State, in a place I regularly teach at. And, um... When health allows, I visit Common Ground about once a year. I missed last year, and it's nice to be back um, for tonight and this weekend. The topic tonight is patience or patient endurance as a response to when life turns into samsara. Traditionally in Buddhism, as well as other traditions from India, samsara is generally understood as the cycling around in birth or and death, and more births, and more deaths. And often this is conceived as happening in terms of lifetimes. Like all of us here were born 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 years ago. <laughs> and one of these days we'll be finished with this life. And some folks believe then depending on your version of Buddhism, Hinduism or whatever, you go through whatever and rebirth occurs. That's one understanding of samsara. Another is that samsara, which literally means spinning or cycling or if you like recycling, The re isn't quite there, but, you know, it's a word we use these days. It's a recycling or cycling through birth and death, but instead of conceiving that in terms of physical or material birth and death, we can think of it um, as egoistic birth and death that whenever our ego structure gets stirred up, that's, if you like, an ego birth. And then that particular ego spinning will do its thing for a little while, a few minutes, um, sometimes when it's really tenacious, an hour or two, um, usually though, they don't last that long, but then they'll keep repeating frequently and sometimes turbulently. And most of us have had experiences when it's gone on for days or weeks and gets really old and tired. But eventually each of these ego spinnings or ego births and, or if you like, dies so this perspective of samsara isn't so much about physical, biological life. It's more about emotional, egoistic life and how this certain kind of a spinning and internal churning that we can call ego birth and ego death um, happens. Tonight I'd like to focus on patience or endurance, forbearance as a basic response to when we get sucked into or when we fall into or slip into samsara. And I'll be thinking mainly in terms of the some sorrow of ego births and ego deaths. Those of us involved in Vipassana practice probably would agree, would more or less agree with the statement that everything changes. Are, are there any dissenting voices <laughs> on that one? It's okay if you do, because, you know, we don't need to be dogmatic or opinionated about Buddhist concepts. But I think if we really pay attention, if we really cultivate mindfulness and observe the world around us and the inner world, it's all changing. And if we watch it change, we notice that all the stuff that make up our lives are impermanent. Um, In classic Vipassana teachings, impermanence is what Vipassana is about. Vipassana not as a practice, but as insight itself. The more clearly, the more deeply we see that our thoughts our emotions our memories how our body feels our interactions the weather politics climate change that it's all impermanent that's that's the deepening of vipassana and when we see all these impermanent things interacting We also have deepening awareness of what some teachers call interbeing, or we could call it interrelatedness, interdependence. Now, I'm I'm using abstract terms just to be quick. Um, But on some level, we understand this, at least intellectually, and as we continue to practice, we experience change, impermanence, how things in us are interrelated with things outside of us, how our body is, is related to thoughts and emotions and vice versa. And so we, we more and more directly experience the interrelatedness of stuff. At least, ideally, that's how it plays out. Yes, and this is why I'm talking about patience tonight. Um, no matter how great some of our meditations or retreats or insights have been, or you know whatever wonderful books we've read or talks we've heard, for many of us, there are plenty of times when we don't see the change. Or the change we see is the change we don't want. And so we're not really seeing it. Or at least we're not seeing it very deeply. We're only seeing it enough to be upset and to struggle. So though we aspire to and practice a life grounded in mindfulness, insight, and compassion, there are at least occasional, if not frequent, times that we don't see. Insight isn't happening. Mindfulness is muddied, or muddled, or forgetful and we get caught again in samsara. So patient endurance, I'd like to suggest, is a first-level response. When mindfulness messed up, insight didn't happen, and the ego system, the ego structure, which by the way is a fabrication. It's it's a product of memory, thought, social conditioning, and other things. And that fabrication gets stirred up again. And usually when it does, it's reactive. Fear, anger, boredom, envy, and the like. Sometimes it's stirred up about external situations. So I was listening to NPR on the way up here, and they were talking about, guess what, the Republican primary. Um, It's very unlikely I'll vote Republican, except actually Wisconsin's got an open system, so I could but not because I would want any of them to be president. Um, I'm not saying that's the proper Buddhist attitude. it's <laughs> my, uh, my own best guess. Have you, um, at some stage with this election or thinking ahead to the general election, gotten caught up? I have, um, reading some stuff by one candidate who based, you know, about the stances on gay marriage are things I find repugnant, or, um, the idea that monogamous single-family units are the only ethical way to live, and everybody who doesn't by the way, I'm married and monogamous, (laughs) but that that that's the only way that one can lead an ethical life. um, To me, that's also repugnant. And then the economic policies. uh, I have a very personal stake in um, any attempts to repeal so-called Obamacare and all that. So there's plenty about the the blah, blah, blah going on. And unfortunately, it's going to continue till November. Uh, And it's easy to get caught up where my personal stake or my personal opinions can become my disgust or my anger or my fear anybody I' get caught up in politics okay most of you don't well congratulations. <laughs> but uh I'm either honest or stupid or both but I um, I can get caught up or um, when I got close enough to was to Minnesota I heard about the new uh, scheme to build a stadium for the Vikings now as a Bears fan I couldn't care that <laughs> but anybody here get worked up about that <laughs> all the money being spent by the state government or the city supposedly to provide jobs because we know everything that's the only thing that matters is the illusion of creating jobs. Uh, or um, in Wisconsin, we have our recall elections coming up. They just set the dates. My um, my state senate district already had a recall and. Um, but there's going to be another round. Or if we maybe look closer to home, are there times when at our office, or I'm sure in this room there's a wide variety of job situations and places of work, do we ever get caught up in office politics? um gossiping about somebody else, being resentful about somebody else, being annoyed at somebody's incompetence, being angry at some injustice real or perceived. To me that's another samsara. Or it could be family stuff, extended family or the nuclear, or whatever kind of home unit we're part of. Are there times that our our ecosystem gets stirred up with that? Or when I conceived of this topic uh, early this year, late last year. I thought of talking about endurance because it was a big deal for me last year in which I spent a lot of time um, at the Mayo Clinic, inpatient, outpatient, chemotherapy, scans, blood draws, this, that, and patient endurance came in pretty pretty handy. So I was thinking, well, that's a whole nother samsaro the the discomfort, the pain, the frustration, the fears, the anxiety of serious illness, or even not so serious illness, and aging, or a close friend at the same time, a close friend's mom was slipping further and further into dementia, and so Watching that, and that can be another kind of sincera. Maybe it it doesn't have to be, by the way. But these are situations where it's real easy for the angry me, or the frightened me, or the worried me, or the the me that doesn't know what to do and is upset or spinning with that or my current latest uh, challenge is health insurance purgatory. Uh, The cancer treatment went pretty well now. Um, It's dealing with the insurance companies, and I have to be real careful to use um, proper language when speaking of them, but uh, it's, it's a real trip So these are some external scenarios I thought I'd mention, figuring you ought to be able to relate with at least one of those. Though from your faces, I can't tell most of you are just sitting out there like Midwesterners. Um, It's the same in Chicago, in Wisconsin. (laughs) It's different in places like Brazil, by the way. Um, So hopefully you can um, recognize similar things in your own life and perhaps recall when you got stirred up, worked up, upset, and were spinning with these kind of life situations. And by the way, we could spin with the happy ones too, um, like for the Vikings fans. Remember how happy you were when you got Brett Favre? At <laughs> least <laughs> some of you were. And I was in—I was new to Wisconsin at the time, and the poor Packer fans. <laughs> it was um, interesting. So. So that's a whole nother peculiar kind of um, samsara. There's a discourse in the middle length discourses or the machimanikaya called all the asavas. Uh, Different translators will render this word as outflows, eruptions, pain. And for today, I'll use fermentations. The asavas are an aspect of the broad category of defilements things that tarnish. The word for defilement means that which tarnishes or pollutes the mind, the heart. And asavas, are an aspect of that broad category that are understood to lay deep in in the lower strata of the mind in early buddhism there wasn't a concept of the unconscious and remember that only came into western psychology with i believe freud or maybe a little before him no earlier than the mid-1800s, but it might be roughly comparable that in the unconscious, in the deeper lower stratum of the mind, the residue or the potential of greed, hatred, delusion are kind of fermenting and given an opportunity, given provocation, they flow up into consciousness and become consciously experienced reactions, such as anger, fear, boredom, envy, confusion. In this discourse, seven ways are offered for overcoming these asavas. One of them is kanti, kanti, k-h-a-n-t-i, patient endurance, forbearance. And I'll, I'll use this as a starting point to talk about endurance. In this particular discourse and other similar places in the early teachings, patient endurance is seen as the appropriate response to, um, this is not an exact quote, but it's pretty close, sun, wind, rain, cold, so weather conditions that can be uncomfortable or even dangerous. And the context were was a very simple, um, newly agrarian society of 2,600 years ago and wandering ascetics who often lived outdoors in a semi-tropical climate. Probably didn't have to deal with snow, but they dealt with monsoons and winds and a dry season where it could get very hot and dusty. And patient endurance was seen because they didn't have air conditioning and central heat that when the physical conditions one found oneself in were uncomfortable, you would cultivate your ability to put up with it, to endure it. The second set of examples were flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and crawling things. Scorpions, snakes, whatever. and by the way, it's a reality in um, the little place where I was an abbot in southern Thailand, we had this one kind of scorpion that liked to crawl under our meditation map. And so if you weren't careful to shake them out regularly, now if you left them, they'd just stay under the map and um, leave you alone. But occasionally we'd, we would find pit vipers about this long under those two, so some of us decided it was a good idea to shake those out. Um, With pit vipers, patient endurance isn't a good idea. Um, Prompt medical care is probably better. (laughs) But although some of them, prompt medical care is not fast enough. So maybe (laughs) say your prayers and get ready to meet your makers. Oh, you can do it. Anyway, precautions, nobody got bit. But um, mosquito bites, gnats, um, and crawling, things like that. So the idea seems to be that in life, and it's maybe a little different nowadays where we try to micromanage a lot of things and where we have pesticides where we try to eliminate troublesome things from our lives which is another story but even so don't we still have unpleasant uncomfortable physical realities that are part of daily life Um, getting stuck in traffic or a lot of us in this room get too hot or we have a wood stove and as <coughs> uh, it's our first year or first months with the wood stove and now that the temperature is warming up, it's real hard to keep it from getting too hot and too dry. And that's unpleasant. <coughs> I cough a lot, things like that. So patient endurance is suggested as certain things, just endure it. Don't make a problem out of it. Don't make it worse. And don't get caught up in any reactions to it. Now, of course, if you can do something about it, like dial down the heat, add a humidifier if it's too dry, Fine, you can do those things. But even so, part of life are unpleasant situations. Now, if we extrapolate from the examples I started with, think of all the other unpleasant, uncomfortable things in life. Somebody at work who's loud, could be us, like I tend to be loud. (laughs) And maybe it doesn't bother us, but some of us, there's somebody who's loud, or Microsoft, or whatever software we're using, and all the, um, at least some of them, all the hassles involved with that. Or somebody's sense of humor, or the people who sneak in front of us in the parking lot, or I don't know if people drive like this up here, but down in Chicago, the people who zoom in front of you and cut you off, getting on or off the expressway. These can also be situations where You know, you can get worked up and scream and holler and honk your horn or give the finger to the person who cuts you off, or you can just live with it, or put up with it. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, what's so great about that, or what's so brilliant about that? Um, Well... It might not be all that brilliant or great, but sometimes it's the best we can do. Sometimes mindfulness isn't there here. We were kind of daydreaming and something happened or we were engrossed in our work and something happened and we reacted and so samsara has returned. If we're capable of a higher level of mindfulness and insight at that moment, great. But in the many situations in life where we're not so mindful, a basic protection we can offer ourselves and others is patient endurance. In in this sense, it can fit with a whole um, collection of teachings that are about restraint. In this case, if something happens, the political discourse, decisions in the state legislature, um, getting some health thing declined by your insurance company, somebody telling a really horrible or even off-color joke. As a starting point, if if we can practice patient endurance, at a minimum, we don't make things worse. Now, again, I'm talking when we're already reacting in some way. And I think if we're honest, this happens pretty often. And, you know, the the teaching that many of us are familiar with is we'll be mindful. But even then, if we're trying to be mindful and the reaction is still going, we're annoyed, we're upset, then, to remember to just bear it. By the way, one of the meanings of mindfulness in the original language and original teachings is to remember. And so do remember something like, okay, we notice we're upset, so there's that level of mindfulness. And to remember, okay, bear it put up with it. Now I'm not saying that's where you got to stay, but it's a good place to start. And then if we're able to bear the situation and contain it with restraint and wait a while, and to do so you might use something like the breathing. That's what I use a lot. When I was in the hospital being poked and kept up all night by uh, this and that, the breathing was a great friend. Because even when there's a lot of physical discomfort, you know, in annoying blinking or beeping equipment or, you know, the blood the blood team would come in at 4 a.m. and do their thing. And they're nice people, but, you know, sometimes at 4 a.m. that you'd rather be sleeping. <laughs> uh, or night sweats, which go with uh, lymphoma and so on. Just to breathe. And the situation may be uncomfortable. It may be unpleasant. I may be a little anxious or upset or whatever, impatient. But at least to breathe in order to be friendly to the nurses and the tech people because they don't need me to be snappy or rude or anything like that. Of course I was once in a while. But um, something like the breath, or if we meditate using body awareness, the body is good too. To um, have some grounding and then endure what, whatever is going on. If we can do that and stay there for a little while, then it creates the context or opening for us to go deeper. If, if we don't cultivate the capacity for patient endurance, we'll probably never go very deep because we'll react and then try to escape. But when there's a container of patient endurance, then at some point, we can examine inside. Now, I'm I'm focusing on external situations. But at some point, we wanna look at the internal situation. Human beings are great at blaming our feelings on anything but ourselves. But one of the key things in a meditative practice is to start dropping that excuse that my feelings are because I'm sick or because the insurance companies greedy blankety blanks or the, the people running for president are whatever or my wife didn't smile or my husband didn't do the dishes or whatever so again with the container of patient endurance we can look inside so that's the opportunity for examination. So we can check inside and instead of being focused on the external samsara, look inside to the internal samsara, which I would say is the samsara that really matters, at least in Dhamma practice. So to endure for a while, not only what's going on outside, but our own reactivity. Now, if you're like me, you may not want to admit that you're reactive. I've been practicing, I've been teaching for I don't know how long. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Um, Some of us have that expectation that I shouldn't, and I did, and I'm a failure, or I'm not good enough, or whatever. We, who knows what different sticks we can come up with. But again, whatever BS your mind starts tossing up, with patient endurance, you can just live with that for a little while and look what's really going on. Not, you know, you're tempted to to go along with the excuses, the, re- the rationalizations, the self-judgment, which, by the way, is more samsara. It's more ego birth. But if we can hold it for a while with patient endurance, we can start see the reactivity with some clarity we notice there's upset there's discomfort it may take a while to sort out Is this anger is it worry or fear sometimes we're angry but it was triggered by fear um is there insecurity is there jealousy uh Are we disappointed? We were hoping for something and, you know, we were hoping for a certain test result and we didn't get it. We're disappointed. What's going on inside? Without some restraint, it's hard to get there. With patient endurance, we can actually hang out with our own reactivity long enough to get some understanding. Of course, mindfulness is crucial, but mindfulness alone doesn't get us very far. But mindfulness with understanding or insight opens up some real possibilities. For example, acceptance. When we reach the level of acceptance, we may not need patient endurance anymore. We don't have to, we may have to endure the external situation, but internally, if we can relax and accept it, then the endurance isn't as much about our internal state. But it may still be required um, by the external stuff. Like for me, some of the stuff that bothers me about American politics looks like it's gonna continue for some time. (laughs) or people in our local township who consider us riffraff because we're not Lutherans. Um, (laughs) That's not going to go away either. There are Lutherans who don't think we're riffraff as well, but, but there are some who are on record as opposing our presence in the neighborhood. Some of this may go on, but it doesn't have to become an internal samsara. And in my understanding, if, if the spinning isn't going on inside, well, then the external isn't samsara anymore either. You can call this equanimity. You can call it letting go. But I'll bet you that we often don't get there without some endurance and some patience. Sometimes we want to take a shortcut and we call it letting go. And sometimes it might be. And other times we might just be pretending or fooling ourselves or repressing, and by the way, that's an important difference. Patient endurance doesn't repress. It, it lets it in. With patient endurance, we know it's uncomfortable. We know that something bothers us, and so we're not trying to find some language to talk ourselves out of that. We're creating the space to to go deeper, and as practice develops, to have acceptance, equanimity, compassion, and letting go. I'd like to close with. Um, a line from a famous teaching in which the Buddha is believed to have summarized what not only he taught, but what all Buddhas teach. And this is, it comes in two parts, and in the second part there's a line, kanti paramang tapo titika. Patient endurance is the supreme spiritual crucible, or tapo or tapas in Indian thought is the spiritual fire. And perhaps in earlier times it was the fire for sacrifice. But for the Buddha, it was more the inner fire that burns up greed, burns up Anger burns up fear, burns up delusion, and the other reactive, egoistic emotions. Patient endurance, kanti, is the supreme paramang crucible or incinerator or spiritual fire for burning up defilement. and without defilements, there's no samsara. Now, you could take that in lots of directions. Some people think of it as far, far away in another galaxy, (laughs) many, many eons, whenever. Um, But another way to take it is When we can endure to the point that we can accept and let go, the spinning stops. It's not about tomorrow or another lifetime. It's just whenever we let the spinning stop. Greed, hatred, and delusion are traditionally compared with fires, fires that burn the heart and mind. So there's something about this crucible, which is one of the ways I try to translate it, of patient endurance, that it contains the fire and then lets it burn itself out without doing further damage or trying to spread it or fling it onto others or stir up other situations that encourage others to get caught in samsara, which is a favorite human activity. Um, So I think that's enough um, to get the point across, perhaps you can remember the image of a crucible or incinerator that will cremate or burn up greed, hatred, fear, and delusion, in case that's something that you'd like to do with your life. in between Viking games or whatever people do up here. There's um, time, I believe, for responses, questions, rebuttals, comments. point is to learn your lesson. Like I'll bet you the real zingers have repeated themselves. <laughs> so one part of practice is to review in this case your zingers. And you can do that kind of meditatively where you stabilize yourself internally say, using the breathing or whatever way you use to clear the mind and stabilize. And then you can recall the last time you got zinged. And, but hopefully now you'll do it with some calmness rather than get sucked right back up into it. Now, if it happened 10 minutes ago, you might just get pulled right back in. But if you have enough internal stability, which is what is meant by the word concentration, there's enough groundedness, stability, clarity, you can kind of review what happened. And if you do that, you start to notice the signs or what were your triggers? You know, what happened that zinged you? and what part of you got zinged? Was it an emotional reaction? Or did you get into a debate? You know, this was said, and then you countered with another idea and sort of got in an argument with it, and that set you off? Or was it this pattern that goes back to your mom or dad or your little brother that hurts your feelings? And, if you review then you've got something to be aware of next time and if we're cultivating mindfulness in a consistent way such as fairly regular meditation parts of each day where we slow down and do things mindfully then we start to catch these signs And when you catch those, then you don't have to get as completely zinged, so. Otherwise, what tends to happen is when you get going, it'll have its momentum. And once it starts to wind down, then you notice. So it's kind of late. But that's, that's where you can start to learn from it. Like as it's winding down, there's still plenty of residue of being upset, whatever whatever it was. You got your feelings hurt and you got angry or it depressed the hell out of you or whatever it was. Even if it's wound down a bit, there's enough residue you can feel it. And then it's more rich than just remembering it. Um, well, I found the political stuff far more depressing than um, having a life-threatening cancer. kind of <laughs> partly i this, for whatever reason, I never thought that cancer was going to get me more like now I'm thinking chemo's going to get me because <laughs> I'm so far so good on recovery from cancer but recovery from chemo is in going to take at least another year because there's a new complication I'm dealing with um, so that's frustrating but but still it seems in the realm of stuff we can deal with And despite the hassles of insurance, I've still got tough life medical care, plus a good acupuncturist and a good friend who's a homeopathist and traditional Chinese medicine and qigong and stuff like that. So so that seems to me there's stuff I can do, I'll do it. And whereas, The politics is more depressing. <laughs> um, but actually being sick has kind of moderated that a lot as well. So right now I'm, I don't have much energy for the political stuff. So I'm kind of accepting that, you know, I can, I can sign the online petitions even though I don't know how much good that does. Supposedly it does. I still wonder. Because so many come with a a please donate appeal, so I wonder how much is just a way to try to get money. But I still do it. But the other way I deal with the social stuff is I do have a little energy to do some local stuff. There's, in my township, there's, there's a lot of anger and factionalism. So a few of us are working on something that we're trying to cross the divide and do something constructive, about conserving some land, some county land that isn't being properly taken care of. So we're trying to set an example of a a different way of going about township business than just one group trying to ram something through and other people opposing. So, So for me, that's a lot more fun to channel my energy into being for something than what often seems the way things run in Washington or Madison. You know, it's people like us and unless you have the time to really track an issue, we're always kind of behind the game.
0: Some of the side if I if I know what I'm cultivating this
2: um here? you know, like uh, yeah, what would be some of the internal shifts in the heart and mind that I just I know that I'm actually doing a <laughs> good question. One, you'll be a lot more
0: consciously uncomfortable. <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry.
2: Yeah. But instead of being repressed uncomfortable, you'll be more consciously uncomfortable and you'll gradually be more relaxed with the discomfort. And then it starts to shift. So so one you'll put up like, um, in the last year, you know, for years I would kind of things like, you know, I hardly ever experience fear. And consciously, I didn't. But in the last year, I'm a lot more aware of anxiety. And there are different possible explanations of why that is. But the part that's relevant to your question is, okay, there's anxiety. Maybe I know why, maybe I don't. But Okay, I can still breathe in and out. It's there. I know that it won't last forever. Sometimes all I need is a good meal and it goes away or a good nap, but sometimes that's it's still it's still there. And so just to be aware of it which, for me, suspecting that previously I was suppressing it somehow, this seems like a step forward. And then, when I can just hold it, and again, I use the breathing a lot, not to get rid of it, just to be with it, then gradually it's okay. And I'm sort of trying to see, is there a lesson, is there something, you know, what understanding can come out of this. And with anxiety, it's still a work in progress. But but unfortunately, probably a, a big sign is more consciously uncomfortable.
0: To add on to that anxiety, um, do you ever like see the second arrows or third arrows and, and, I don't know, can you stop them before, like let's say you're anxious and you go, oh I don't like this, this doesn't feel good, and then you keep adding more and more and you catch off. Is it repressing when you say, okay, don't add anymore? <clears throat>
2: In my understanding, repression is something's going on and you just try to push it out of consciousness. Mm -hmm. If instead you're not reacting, then it's not repression. Mm -hmm.
0: You just go, you know that these are arrows and you know you're going to make it worse by continually thinking, what if, what if, what if. Mm-hmm. So you just say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to do the what ifs anymore. I'm just I, stopping.
2: If, if that understanding is accompanied by pretty good mindfulness mm-hmm. and pretty good samadhi, concentration, sti- inner stability, then it's possible to just stop it, I would say. Part of our practice is then to watch if there's some residual tension going on. And if there is, that's okay. You learn from that, too. So maybe you don't stop it completely, Mm -hmm. but if you stop it 50%, 80%, better than not at all, so we learn from our own practice what a real clean non-reaction is. Yeah. And other times it's partial.
0: Is it, when I start, I breathe with it sometimes um, to try to get some equanimity around it, some spaciousness around it, so that the thoughts don't come so fast, so they don't spin so fast. Is that cheating? No? <laughs> okay.
2: The principle is if, if it works, it works. And in Buddhism, the criteria for something working is it decreases on the wholesome stuff and increases wholesome stuff. So, if whatever you're doing, the the result is nothing harmful is being increased and something wholesome is happening, then it's working on some level.
0: Uh, I think I I got my answer. um, Some time ago, a teacher suggested, or a teacher was was saying, I, from her teacher, she was told to, to spend a year in uh, meta or compassion, and to stay with herself. That was the prescription in her case. Um,
2: Doing meta meditation right. for herself. For
0: herself, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, cause she, she brought that to a, a retreat sure. at night, and I took it and played with it, and talked to her about it, etc. Um what that has done for me is that where I where I where I get these problematic states or the singers, um, I tend to use compassion. I'm i thinking that I would use compassion or metaphor myself in that spot. Um, it it feels like grinding, it feels like it, you know, to, to, to hold it, to bear it. Um isn't quite how I describe what I do, but I think it's awesome and, but, you know. wait, do you want to
2: comment?
0: Um, I'm not backing away, I'm looking at it, but I'm looking at it with that,
2: with that piece. Yeah, I guess, I mean, meta is of a, a stance or attitude of kindness so if you can add that to the patient endurance say it's even better or but it's possible in some of the time with some of us that metta is a way to avoid chasing it so and if not metta, something else, you know, our egos or there are ego forms that can um, twist anything. So part of the discernment is noticing how, how clean the matter is or the compassion.
0: When I hear the word patient endurance, I um, I just get this fear of inaction. So how do you discern like because you, you want to sit and kind of hold it and be present, but then like for the political stuff, for example, like there's a certain amount though that you can do, but there's a certain amount that maybe it feels wrong to just like you're constantly reacting. Do you have advice on how to I don't
2: know, identify that mind again uh, it it would the details are probably dependent on how you react to or each person reacts to political stuff. I have kind of carried this burden from I don't know when that I should be able to do something about whatever and So my mind gets going about what I can do. And so slowly over time, I've more and more accepted the lack of reality in that assumption. Um, So patient endurance, in terms of say political situations It's the restraint, which means waiting. And by the way, in the etymology of the word for equanimity, upeka, it can mean to wait, to watch and wait. So when you have that space for something like a political dynamic, it's time to kind of let things settle enough to see. For me, of all the issues, is this the one I want to put time and energy into? If so, what do I have to offer? And so, so that's how I would approach it, that patient endurance is the step that um, can give you space for discernment.
0: Is the enabling lack of action? Like hmm? when perhaps there should be
2: action, but instead it's almost like apathy or... Um I, I get, I'm sure it could. Again, in my case, the problem is the should. The should do something is such a, um immediate assumption that that needs to be let go of. On the flip side, my experience is that when I can just settle down and be with something and with certain situations it takes days or weeks, I can come to a sense of should I do something and what what it's appropriate for me to do. What What can I really give time and energy to? Um, and so I trust that if I do that, I'll reach that point. So I personally don't worry about apathy. Um, I the role of faith or trust is that if we really have faith in our own humanity, if we allow ourselves, we will, we will be moved to make appropriate responses. So, so I, I trust in that quite a bit because the other thing has just pushed and driven in in ways that um, weren't weren't that healthy. patient endurance uh, went on without, and after a while there wasn't any mindfulness. So if we have a tendency that when something's uncomfortable we'd like to avoid it, it's easy to endure, endure, and then start to forget or take a nap and pretend it's gone. So the thing is then patient endurance and paying attention or even remembering. So that would be the next piece, I think, for what you're talking about. Whatever it was, don't forget it. You still may need to ask yourself how important is it And some people have patterns of thought that will easily say, "Nah, it's not that important. You know, it's okay." But if if we really listen to that language, it might be a kind of laziness or letting oneself down not resolving something that one can and maybe deep down would like to. So, so I would say being mindful, paying attention, remembering rather than just letting it fade away. These kind of things are, my responses are partly based in familiarity with the tricks our particular minds play, our own particular patterns. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.